0: Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. We're going to get into the word of God. So good to have our guests and our visitors that are with us today. Let's give everyone, all of our friends, our family, our visitors, our guests. Amen. Amen. They tell you, well, just, you just learn after a while that sometimes that Sunday after Easter, amen, is a little bit of a lull, but we're good to have, we're glad to have you here today. We're so glad to I'm glad to be in church. I love church. Amen. I love being in God's house. Amen. And so I want to direct your attention to the word of the Lord here today. I believe God has given me just a thought here today to share with you and I want to take your attention, amen, to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. Amen. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. And we're going to take a look at one of the greatest <clears throat> one of the greatest types, if you will, the type, a type of foreshadowing. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of the scripture amen how many know that everything that happened before Jesus came and what's referred to as the Old Testament that Paul tells us that those things happened as a as a shadow or a, a type or a foretelling of what was to come amen and so those things that happened in the Old Testament it was projecting towards what Jesus was going to accomplish Here in the New Testament. Amen. But we find here in the book of Hosea one of the strangest yet amazing stories of redemption and love in all of the Bible here in Hosea chapter 1. When the Bible says, now get this, I'm going to try to use somewhat of cryptic language, but you'll get the point. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Now, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, here it is, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now, this is... This is wild. And so God speaks to this prophet Hosea. Now, Hosea was a godly prophet by all accounts. He was a clean-cut guy. He was one of the Lord's prophets. And because at a time when the children of Israel were not listening to conventional means of communication, God would send prophets. He would send preachers to try to get them to, to turn from the error of their ways. God said, all right. I'm going to do a little, something a little out of character, a little out of context. I'm going to get a little creative to try to reach my people, to make a point. And so he talks, he speaks to this prophet by the name of Hosea. And he says, Hosea, I want you to seek out a bride, a wife, not of the women of the children of Israel, but I want you to go and seek them out, seek out a wife of a pagan culture, a pagan context, uh, an immoral context, an immoral nation. I want you to go and I want you to seek out a wife of the people of harlotry. And so he went and he took Gomer. Now, if it wasn't bad enough that God tells this prophet to marry a harlot to make things worse, The woman he married, her name was Gomer. That's pretty bad. That's double bad. The daughter of Diblum, And she conceived and bore a son. It's amazing the great lengths that God will go to to prove his redemptive love to his people. I want to take you to one more portion of Scripture here in the book of Romans. And the Bible says, But God commendeth or demonstrates. Here it is. This is is the point. God demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, get this, (laughs) while we were still of the people of harlotry, While we were still impure, while we were still immoral, while we were still undeserving, God demonstrated something to us, and that is his love for us, that while we were unworthy, Christ died for us. And the point Paul goes on to make is if God loves you enough, to he'd be willing to die for you as a sinner, how much more? Does his love, is, is love commended that, that that while we're yet living, while we're yet trying to serve God, that God would demonstrate his redemptive love for us. Amen. For the next few moments, if we could bow our head, I want us to just, we're going to preach on this simple subject, God's love for sinners. Ryan, if you could take that off for me. Is that... Or Maybe take my mic down just a little bit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercies. God, we thank you for your goodness and your help and your blessings. We pray, God, that you would minister to every heart and every mind today. God, we just come with a simple thought, a simple idea, Lord, that, Lord, that you love us. That no matter what, where we've been and what we've been through, God, Lord, that your, that your redeeming love is able to, to reach us, to help us, and to set us free. We thank you for it. And we ask it right now in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for standing. And you may be seated. Amen. Amen. If we could pull up that uh, website here today. please forgive me. Some of you are going to be offended already because of the website. But just disregard the website here. This is an article from CNN. Amen, amen. CNN Money in 2017. And it's an interesting article. It's it's about a man named Nelson Molina. It's called Treasures in the Trash. 34 years in sanitation taught him how to spot a gym. It's a story of a man by the name of Nelson Molina who spent literally 34 years as as a garbage man in New York City. He says, I love this job. It's one of the the greatest jobs in the world, Molina says. He he didn't just hold his nose and toss his bag into the Department of Sanitation truck. He became an expert in finding treasures in the trash. Over his career, Molina salvaged over 50,000 items from the garbage and put them on display in what he calls a secret museum in Manhattan. And he hopes the city will turn it into a real museum. Molina calls his collection treasures in the trash and it sits on the second floor of the Department of Sanitation Garage on East 99th Street in Manhattan. The place is like an antique road show on steroids, there are tables crammed with glass vases, there's gold jewelry, silver, candelabras, decorative clocks, electric guitars, violins that still work, everything he says here came from the trash. He tells CNN, gesturing at the tables which hold everything from cowboy hats to stained glass windows that a church has tossed out. He said, get this, if I didn't take it out of the garbage, this would be in a landfill, Melina says. Over the course of his collection, he's gathered many valuable items, such as autographed baseball cards from every major Yankee star, signed books by famous authors, antique furniture, pictures, and even significant relics from major historical events like September 11th. And over the years, Molina has developed a knack of knowing whether a trash bag has contained something of value. He said it had to do with the way the items are poking out of the bag. Get this, that over 34 years he can just look at a trash bag on the corner, and by the way it looks, by the way the items are poking out, or by the weight and the sound the trash made when it's picked up, he claims he can tell the difference between something that is a vase of a wine bottle just by the ping it makes when a sanitation worker tosses the trash in the truck. He said, I have these sensors that go off of my experience, my, my intuition, uh, uh, my keen awareness. He says, I can just tell when there's something of value in the trash. And today, his collection fills almost an entire warehouse floor, and it just keeps on growing. And when he asks about this u- unique obsession, Milena says, we throw away too many things. There are some things that just need to be redeemed. I want to tell you, it's an interesting story that we find here in this CNN Business article from 2017 and the reality is, is that uh, this 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 Mr. Molina is a lot like the story that we've just read here today. And and whether you like it or not, I, the, the, the reality is, is that there are some very interesting similarities between the story I've read and the article that I've read, and, and that is that there is some very real treasures in the trash, that there are some very valuable things in the trash heaps of life that with just a little bit of love, just a little bit of care, just a little bit of attention can be redeemed to make something of great value. See, I've got some good news and some bad news this morning. I'll start today with the bad news, and that is that that, 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 that is simply that God hates sin. Can I get an amen? He hates sin. He cannot stand sin, and under no conditions will God tolerate sin forever. The Bible says that sin is a reproach, that sin is what separates us from God. It's sin that destroys marriages. It's sin that destroys homes. It's sin that destroys lives. It's sin that destroys future. It's sin that God hates. I want to tell you here today that 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 if you think this does not apply to you, I, I've got news for you this morning. That the Scripture proclaims undoubtedly and unequivocally that we are all sinners. That that we have all fallen short of the perfection of God. I want to tell you this morning. You may look fine today. You 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 may act fine this morning. You you may even have money in your bank account. Everything in your life may be going just fine. But again, I told you. I warned you. I've got bad news. In the bad bad news is, despite how things may be on the outside, the reality of the Word of God, the story of Scripture is, is that we are all desperately in need of a loving and a merciful God. That we are all sinners. That we have all fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how moral you are. I don't care how honest you think you are. That we are all sinners in need of a Savior if that wasn't bad enough, it's that sin that's in your life that is all present in each and every one of us this morning, that is pulling at us, pushing on us, causing us to do things, to say things, and to act in ways that that are not pleasing to God. And it's the sin that is within each and every one of us that has separated us from God. God does not tolerate sin. God cannot stand sin. The fact that we all have sin present in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our body is the reason that we have all been separated from our Savior today. And Just like the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but it is our iniquities that have separated us from our God. That's the bad news this morning. Yet despite all of the bad news that I've just shared with you, there is yet still some good news to share. And that is simply this, that despite your sin, despite your failures, despite your spiritual ignorance, that there is still a God in heaven. Hear me right now that loves us and that even though we were sinners and even though we are sinners and even though we're ignorant of our ways and even though there are there is living within us a spiritual cancer called sin that while we are yet sinners while we are yet undeserving that there is still a god that commends his love for us and that while we were sinners that he came to die for our sin I want to tell you that the good good news that we have this morning is that there's a God that loves us and that came to take away our sin, that we don't have to die in sin, that we don't have to live in sin any longer, that we don't have to live in our reproach and in our shame and in our guilt and in our separation from our God, because if there is any that has sin, I want to tell you that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, that if we will confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you today the good news is that while God hates sin, hear me right now, that God loves sinners. Amen. And So here we have this story that I've drawn my text from this morning, the book of Hosea. It's a book of this prophet named Hosea. His name literally means salvation. And it's fitting because it was during the days of Hosea, that, just like us, that we and the nation of Israel was in need of a Savior. You see, it was during these days in Israel's past that Israel was actually a prosperous nation. They were prospering materially. They were prospering politically. As a nation, they were even prospering militarily. Yet despite all of these ways in which Israel seemed to be doing well, at the same time, they were morally bankrupt. They had national prominence. They had political influence. They had might militarily. Yet despite all of that, spiritually speaking, Israel, get this, was failing. Despite God loving them and taking care of them and delivering them out of the land of Egypt, leading them through the wilderness, feeding them with manna, Despite satisfying their thirst with water from a rock, despite healing them and fighting their battles on their behalf, taking care of them in every conceivable way, Israel became spiritually restless. That wasn't enough, wasn't enough for them to serve God. wasn't enough for them to be content living for the God that had blessed them and made a way for them. And so Israel, get this, began going after other gods, And their love for their God, for their Savior, for their Redeemer, the one that had made a way for them, unfortunately began to grow cold. Because they had no real love for God or for his word or for his worship and because they would no longer listen to the prophets that God was sending them to compel them and to to try to constrain them to return back to their love for God. Instead, God decided to use the personal life of this man by the name of Hosea to demonstrate his steadfast love for an unfaithful people. And so here it is. It's in this marital relationship of Hosea and his wife Gomer that we are able to see the beautiful depiction of the redeeming love that God has and has demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ. And It's here in this story of, of Hosea and Gomer that we find a few things that I want to share with you today, if I can. And the very first thing that we need to recognize about this story is here in the story of Hosea and Gomer we find what we'll call a loving Pursuit. You see, Hosea was a prophet. He was a godly man. He was committed to God. And Gomer was quite the opposite. She was from an idolatrous nation. She was from a people that had rebelled and even were ignorant in the ways of God. They were immoral. They were, they, were, they were not part of the household of Israel. They were a people of great whoredom. And sin ran rampant within their culture. And this woman, Gomer, was a product of her environment. And, and But before her promiscuous nature was able to materialize, Many believe that while she was still yet pure and had perhaps only eyes for Hosea, God instructed Hosea to go and to marry this woman by the name of Gomer. And the Bible tells us that the word of the Lord came to Hosea in the days of Jeroboam and said, and said, go and take Gomer for your wife. And so he went and he took her and they were married. And at first their affection was mutual. Gomer loved Hosea and Hosea loved Gomer. And eventually she bore him a son named Jezreel. And over time, something just began to cause Gomer's affection for Hosea to fade. Eventually they became distant in their affections and in her desires that she began seeking love and affection in other places. She eventually became involved with a another man the Bible tells us in As a result of her immorality and and her, her wanton lifestyle, she bore this other man two more children. Despite Hosea being faithful, despite Hosea being steadfast in his love and his commitment now, instead Gomer has not reciprocated his love, but she's gone and she's had children with another man. And now the Bible tells us that she's reached a point in her life where she's no longer this young, beautiful, desirable young woman that Hosea took to be a bride but now life has been hard on Gomer and and life has 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 worn her down and she's and the husband that she's taken the man that she's now with no longer wanted Gomer he's sold her into slavery and and now she's been sold into a life of immorality and promiscuity she's a slave just trying to make a living through acts of immorality and life has been cruel to her she's no longer young no longer beautiful, no longer desirable. Age and life has worn her and wearied her, and now when not even her new lover desires her anymore, the Bible tells us it was here that God speaks to Hosea a second time, and He says to Hosea, "Go and pursue Gomer." It was here in the in the immoral part of town here in the red light district here in the dirty part of town where his wife, Gomer, was living and trying to survive through this life of promiscuity that God speaks to Hosea a second time and says, show your love to your wife again. And though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves Israel. Though they turn to other gods, and loves sacred raisin cakes. He says, even though they love other gods, even though they've not been faithful, I want you to love your wife like I have loved Israel. And so the Bible tells us it was here that this story of Hosea, this story of a loving pursuit, now becomes the story of a lavish purchase. He says, go and show your love to your wife again. The Bible says that Hosea hears and receives this word as he begins this lavish pursuit, this lavish purchase, and, and God says, I know you loved Gomer. I know that Gomer was unfaithful. I know she was sold into slavery, but I want you to go back down to that place where those prostitutes are sold, and I want you to buy her back. You see, it was in these days that the Bible would tell us that, that in those days, if you were to purchase a slave that the cost of a slave was 30 pieces of silver. Yet the scripture tells us here in this story that Hosea didn't have 30 pieces of silver to purchase back his wife, Gomer. Instead, he brought just 15 shekels of silver. And to make up the difference, not only did he bring everything he had financially, but he gathered everything that he had materially. The Bible says that he took barley and he brought his 15 shekels of silver, and he took every ounce of barley he had. You see, the reality is that barley was not even the the grain of a rich man. It was wheat that a rich man would have, but Hosea only had barley. It was the, the grain of a poor person, and he took everything that he had financially, and he took everything that he had materially, and he went to where Gomer was despite her immorality, despite her wanton lifestyle, despite her unfaithfulness, and he went and he sold and spent everything that he had in order to buy Gomer back. It was a lavish purchase of love. And the reality is is that what we find here in this loving pursuit and this story of a lavish purchase is a type and a shadow of our Savior Jesus Christ. Because I've got news for you today that there is a time in each and every one of our lives because we were all born into sin, that despite God creating us to live in harmony, in unity with Him, and fellowship with Him, that we have all gone astray, that we have all gone our own way, that we have all pursued our own immorality, that we we have all pursued our own uh, uh, ways and means but it was in this lifestyle of sin when we had fallen short that the Bible tells us that God commends his love for us that while we were yet sinners that Jesus Christ died for us I want to tell you today that not only did your God love you enough to breathe breath into you and to make you but your God loved you enough to buy you back when you were worth nothing I want to tell you that he loves you He desires you, He cares for you, and He's demonstrated His redemption. While we were sinners, that the innocent man, the holy man, Christ Jesus, the prophet that knew no sin, while we were standing on that street corner of immorality and slavery, while we were the ones living in sin, while we were the ones that had nothing to offer and to bring to the relationship, just as Hosea married Gomer and brought her back, that our God who created us married us and brought us back. You see, the story of redemption and the story of the Bible is that, that God who created all things, the stars, the moon, the, the, the sky, the trees, everything that we see, that God who created all of these things, He created everything that there's only one thing that he purchased, and that was the bride, his body. That when we were unworthy and unfaithful, that Christ came and spent everything that he had living a perfect, sinless life, that he came to this earth, that he spent himself, he poured himself out. And finally, on that cross, he gave everything that he could give. He shed his blood. He was nailed to that cross. He suffered, he bled, and he was died. But on the third day, the story of that resurrection still rings true because it was that resurrection that paid the price for our immorality and our unfaithfulness. I want to tell you here today that, yes, the bad news is that we are all sinners, that we are all separate from God, that we are all in our, own un- in our own righteousness is but filthy rags, but we have a God that saved us, redeemed us, and bought us back. See, not only did God own us, not only did God buy us, but he bought us twice. He owned us twice because while he created us, we wandered away, but he loved us so much that he brought us back. But it's here the story, the story of a loving pursuit that turns into a story of a lavish purchase. What we find and what I love about this story is that God didn't just tell Hosea to go and to buy her back begrudgingly. Don't just do it out of some blind obedience. Don't just do it to make a point. But the Bible tells us that Hosea loved and desired Gomer. The Scripture says that he went not just to buy her back, but he gave his life to pursuing her. And it's here that we find this story turns into a story of unmerited grace. You see, the Scripture says that he went and he found her. The Bible says he paid everything he had to purchase her from her whoredoms. And the Scripture says that when he found her, he spoke to her here in, Isaiah, in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. And get this, here's what he says, Therefore now I am going to allure her. And I will lead her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly or kindly unto her, and I will give her her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall, she shall sing there. She will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days that she came up out of the land of Egypt. You see, it was here that, that, that God was demonstrating through Hosea, Not just a begrudging love, not just a begrudging pursuit, but a loving pursuit that's filled with unmerited favor and grace. It was here that that Hosea says, I'm going to seek her in the valley of Achor. It was this valley of Achor that goes all the way back. Its history goes all the way back in Israel to the days of Joshua. It was a place that represented a bad place, a, a stigma. It was a low valley. A valley was a low place, and furthermore, it was this valley that, that Gomer's life had, had just had been delegated to, just living this life of immorality that has a historical significance because it was here in this valley of Achor that back in the days of Joshua, a man by the name of Achan was stoned to death for holding on to something that he was not supposed to be holding on to. And when Moses told the children of Israel to get rid of and to not keep any of the garments of the surrounding nations, this man Achan had buried something that didn't. Belonged to him underneath his tent, and because he could not let go of the thing that he was supposed to be holding on to, the Bible says it was here in the Valley of Achor that this man Achan had to be stoned to death. It was a it was a place that significant that was significant to Israel because it was a place that represented difficulty and trouble. And, and it was a stigma for, for the reproach of sin. And it was here that Hosea says, I'm going to go and find her in that valley of Acor. I'm going to find her in that place of stigma. I'm going to find her and pursue her in that low place of life. And it's there that I am going to speak kindly to her. I want to tell you today that there's There's not one person in here that deserves the unmerited, unearned, undeserved grace and mercy and love of God. But why, my goodness, what a God that we have that not only would he redeem us and not only would he purchase us, but he would speak kindly to us. He would lavish his love on us. He would lavish his mercy on us. He would lavish his kindness on us. He wouldn't just treat us like we deserve to be treated, but our God treats us gently and kindly and tenderly. He makes a way for us. He moves on our behalf. He helps us. He heals us. He encourages us. He ministers us because He's pursuing us lovingly. It's here in this valley of Acor, the Bible says that Hosea came to her and spoke kindly to her. And he says that he would he would give her as if it was, as she, if if it, he would treat her as if she was young again, if she had just come out of Egypt. He wasn't going to hold her sins against her. He was not going to hold her immorality against her, but it was here that he was going to shed his unmerited grace upon her. I want to tell you today as we stand all over this place that this is a story that we can all relate to <clears throat> because it was here that we find this Prophet Hosea, whose name means salvation, loving, pursuing, and lavishly purchasing this wife of immorality, Gomer, whose name means incomplete. And can't we all relate to the idea and the fact that before God found us, before that moment where we came to that altar, where we gave our life to Christ and repented of our sins, where we went down in the waters of baptism for the remission of our sins, before God filled us with the baptism of His Spirit, before He poured His love and His mercy and His grace upon us, that we were living a life that was incomplete. We tried to complete our life with the bottles. We tried to complete our life with relationships, we tried to fill our lives with one thrill or another thrill. But what we all came to realize today is that until we met the love of God, until we found that there was a Savior that was willing to purchase us lavishly, to pursue us lovingly, and to shed unearned and unmerited grace upon us, that our life was not complete. But the grace and the message of Scripture this morning that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet incomplete, you can have all of the money in the world. Hear me now, every head bowed. You can have every material possession. You could have the greatest job in the world. You could have everything seemingly you think you want. Israel was prospering militarily, politically, and materially. Yet morally, they were incomplete. And what we have to come to terms with here today is that until we've surrendered our life to Jesus Christ and fulfilled His plan of righteousness, repentance and baptism and water, the infilling of His Spirit, that our life is just incomplete. And so today I want us, every head bowed, I want us to just take a moment to put ourselves in the position of Gomer. Gomer didn't deserve Hosea Gomer didn't deserve a second chance Gomer didn't deserve a loving pursuit Gomer didn't deserve to be lavishly purchased and Gomer didn't deserve unmerited grace But this story isn't about what Gomer deserved The story's about the godly character and the loving nature of the one pursuing her and so if we can all over this place if we could just lift our hands today